and welcome to the Farmers I Know podcast. I'm Carolyn Hershon. This is the show dedicated to conversations with the people that are growing food to nourish their communities. The farmers I know let their values on how the earth and people should be treated lead the way. Today's guest is Anne Sutton, otherwise known as Farmer Gale from Deep Roots Farm. I had the chance to sit down with her at a COVID safe distance across a crackling fire at Deep Roots in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Hi. <laughs> okay, so hi, Farmer Gail. Uh, hello, Carolyn. Thank you so much for doing this with me today. I think the last time I saw you, we were moving like a mile a minute at DuPont <laughs> trying to get through that line. Yes. Somehow you seem to create these very positive moments and connect with everyone. I don't know how you even managed to have time to do that because <laughs> it was really busy. But your customers really seem to love you. But man, did you have to move? Yes, we did. I mean, that line just was constant. And I mean, it just felt like nonstop from the time it started to the time we were packing up. So I want to start off by talking about regenerative farming. Um, and I know that this is something that's really important to you. And I wanted to see if you could explain what regenerative farming means and why it's important to you. Well, that for me is making sure that everything that we're doing is not just taking from the soil because this land needs to sustain our community for a long time to come for the future. And the only way for it to do that is for us to take care of the land first and grow in a manner that is adding more to it than we're actually taking out of it. Yes, that's so important. I love that. I would love to hear a little bit more about your story and how you got into farming. Well, um, I always tell folks, you know, farming is a second career for me because at one point of my life I worked um, as a consultant for the federal government and it was not in a capacity that I was happy or felt fulfilled or felt like I was doing anything to benefit my community as a whole. And I wanted to be I wanted to be someone that was serving the community. And one of the three things that I always think of is, you know, food, air, and water. And what can I do in line with that that can be beneficial to everyone around me? Growing food. So I started growing in container gardens and I was just amazed at how much could be produced in such small spaces and um, came across Elliot Coleman's books and started reading everything that he wrote and trying to implement a lot of those practices in my operation. And I did um, a gardening plot while I lived in Montgomery County. And after I decided and made the decision that I wanted to transition into farming, started looking for land and a friend of mine had acquired a farm property in Charlestown, West Virginia. And so we talked about it and agreed that we would live there together and I would start my farming career there. Amazing. Um, did that for the first seven years. <laughs> and um, it, it became the driving is what really got me to make the decision to move to uh, Maryland because I needed to be within close proximity to my markets. So we started looking for land out here and found this property in 2019 and began the process of acquiring it. 
Gail showed me around her new property and shared a little bit more about her vision. This field back here uh -huh. is where our livestock is going to be. Okay, great. So, what kind of livestock? So we're planning on getting some cattle, um, some goats, some lamb, a couple of hogs, um, all the chickens. Everybody's going to end up back here eventually. Yeah. So there's probably about another five acres up in the woods there where you great. see those thin trees are that uh -huh. needs to be removed. Okay. That was once cropland as well. But this wow, is the space. The property goes all the way into the woods back there and back there and you know, neighbor Mike back there and Milton over here and everybody's, you know, been really nice and welcoming. That's great. And happy to have somebody actually doing something here on this land. That's important. <laughs> That's really important. And in this journey, what barriers did you face in um, making your farm a reality? Well, I would say the biggest challenge for me was acquiring land. And started that journey of researching and realized how expensive and cost prohibitive land acquisition is for anyone looking to farm even just small acreage. Because my initial plan was to buy a you 10-acre know, lot and have a little house and a little barn and, and grow food. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the price points for 10 acres were just way beyond my reach. Especially, you know, land with a livable house and infrastructure and all of that. It just, I just couldn't borrow enough money to cover that. Um, fortunately, I think the USDA... Um, kind of figured out that what they were offering as far as a land acquisition loan just wasn't going to cover for people like me. And so they doubled pretty much, yeah, I think they pretty much doubled the amount they were going to, they were willing to loan. Oh, wow. And so then I was able to borrow the maximum amount to be able to buy the land that I'm on now. Yes, acquiring land is this daunting thing that I think prevents a lot of people from pursuing farming. And of course, in a normal year, farming has no shortage of challenges, but I'm wondering what made this year different. It was a tough year. It was, you know, at the end of the year, I felt so beat up and so worn down. You know, I, I just, usually I don't, you know, yeah, farming is hard, but last year it was exceedingly difficult. And I'm thankful that I had the crew that I had because I don't think I would have survived <laughs> that season without them. Yeah. So it's, you know, but, you know, dealing with that and then worrying about all the unrest and all the... <sighs> it's very emotional for me when I think about everything that was going on in this country last year from a racial standpoint. Um, being a woman of color... Um, you know, it was, I don't know, I guess I had gotten to the point in my life where I didn't worry so much about it, but then not hearing about all of the different incidents where people of color were losing their lives unnecessarily just because of their color. Um, I guess sometimes we can forget where we live. Um, with all of the publicity around George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of the different individuals that were being hurt in this country, um, 
it really brought it home for me. You know, there's like so much hate out there now that it's always been there apparently. It's just that it just haven't been so visible. And, you know, like I'm out here by myself living on, on the land, living in this RV. And of course I worry. I worry that, you know, I'm going to wake up one morning and somebody's going to be standing over me or somebody's going to be out here waiting for me. You know, it's all these things that go through my mind that, you know, it, it kind of hinders you hinders your ability to fully, truly enjoy the things that you have worked so hard for and the things that you're trying to do for your community. You know, I was pulled over one day driving when I bought this van um, and I was new to driving the van. So I guess I was kind of swerving and the cop pulled me over. And I just remember just sitting there waiting for him to walk up to the vehicle and not moving, not doing anything and just saying to myself, yeah, okay, don't make any sudden moves. Just wait for him to get here and just keep your hand on the, on the steering wheel, you know, and just kind of going through in my mind what not to do because I actually was afraid for my life. And just having to be in that position was very unnerving and unsettling for me. You know, I'm 48 years old and here I am scared of someone that should actually be protecting me. So, you know, all of that compounded with everything else. I honestly don't know how I still have my sanity. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Oh. It's really a lot. Yeah. And I feel like so many people of color in my life live with of just like not being able to relax and yep. enjoy the things that you've worked so hard to earn. Yes. It's it's just it's a lot. It's really a hard thing. Um because you really deserve that. I think everyone does. You know, I think everyone deserves to be at some point in their life doing something that they completely enjoy doing you know it's we live in, in in a country and a society where so too often we're striving to achieve above and beyond and not just to the point of just to sustain ourselves but to live above and beyond when it's not necessary and sometimes you find yourself in positions people find themselves in jobs that they're not happy with but they have to do it because it's what's gonna sustain that lifestyle that they have either become accustomed to or their families have become accustomed to. You work yourself to death for those things that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be happy. If you're spending X number of hours a week working um, just to be able to pay for certain things or live in that huge McMansion, then when are you really enjoying it? Right. And you're sort of like a living example of that. You know, of someone that did not want to accept that and realized that, um, you know, what you really needed and what was going to make you happy. Yeah. I want to switch it up and talk about hope because you did make it through this year with your sanity. And I would love to hear about the things that helped you get through this difficult time. I'm going to say the people that I had working for me really helped to give me hope this year. Um, None of us could have predicted, predicted being in a pandemic in 2020. You know, when I was approved for my loan to buy this place, I was so overjoyed and so happy and I was so optimistic. But, you know, I tend to be a fairly optimistic person consistently and happy about things. 
um, I guess I didn't realize up front all of the challenges that came along with just buying land to try to set up a farm. Um, but having, I had two individuals in particular that worked here with me all of last year, um, Katie and Lewis, and they are two incredible and amazing people that are just as passionate about farming and food as I am, um, and very committed individuals. Having them here really helped to keep me grounded and keep things moving forward. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about how you feel about your role in the community because I know you care deeply about your food reaching people that are cut off from accessing fresh local vegetables. Yes. And I know you also care a lot about uh, kids learning about food. Yes. Which I think is so great. Yes. And I wanted to know a little more about that and how you think farmers can help. Well, I think one of the responsibilities as someone that functions in the role of a farmer is to not only feed the community with good, um, fresh, organic produce, but also to try and educate them about how to eat that produce and why they should be eating it. One of the things that I've learned over the years from being at the farmer's market in DC is that you, we've gained a lot more senior clientele. And I think as people get older, they become a little more open-minded to some degree and a little more willing to try things. Um, just from the curiosity aspect, I think, to a certain extent, which is pretty much the same in children. You can pretty much convince them to try something at least once because of that curiosity character that they possess. So, you know, bringing ethnic foods to market and offering it and offering samples and giving folks recipes on how to prepare those items, I've definitely seen an, an increased interest from those different groups of individuals at market. That's great. Now let's talk about the future, the future of our food system, the future of you and your farm. So the long-term goal is for Deep Roots Farm to be a community organization that will allow for not just learning opportunities, but opportunities for younger people and seniors to have a space they can come to and spend time together, grow vegetables and flowers and learn about herbs and just learn about the full life cycle of a farm and the different things that can be produced in their backyards, in containers, and just have a place that will help to bring them closer to the land and also offer them an opportunity to be able to spend time outdoors and get moving and being active. So hopefully we can get our nonprofit set up by the end of 2021 and start doing some fundraising for 2022. Um, we'd like to have long-term a commercial kitchen here. So when we harvest the vegetables that they grow, they can have a space also practice and learn how to prepare some of the foods in different ways and learn about eating different diets, which again, all of that plays into a more healthy and sustainable lifestyle for the community. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. You're this absolutely welcome. Wonderful. <laughs> I really appreciate your time. Anytime, sweetie, anytime. 
Next Sunday on the Farmers I Know podcast, I catch up with my own farming mentor, On Doan. He's taught me everything from how to use a push-pull hoe to how to make the perfect lemongrass curry. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram at The Farmers I Know or check out my website, farmersiknow.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.